Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. This is Texas Tech. Your last coach you fired is 7-0 and in the NFL. Pete Thamel. Bring the pitchforks to Shebeckler Hall. Oh, that's way I'm more telling fun. you. With SI's Pat Forty. There's not many places that have a 100,000-seat stadium and perspective. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Got some good games this weekend, gentlemen. Well, Michigan, Michigan State, clash of the top tens. We have the cocktail party, arbiter of... Uh, how things are going in those two programs. Ole Miss is at Auburn. Pretty interesting. Auburn, no matter whether Auburn wins or loses, they just are always ranked 18th, I think. Just... <laughs> Penn State at Ohio State. See if Penn State can score, gain three yards. It's a lot going on. When do you start groveling for tailgate food in East Lansing? Who, me? I can, I can, I can hook that place up. East Lansing, no problem. <laughs> Dan Wetzel's attending a college football game. How about this that? It's a big deal. Listenership. It's a big deal. If you're going to be it's at Spartan exciting. Stadium, you can join me. We'll like lay out rose petals in Dan's path from his parking spot to the, to the press <laughs> elevator. It's it's in his Yahoo contract. He gets to chopper to all games in East Lansing. So <laughs> I, I, I wish. I yeah. wish. It would be appropriate and appreciated, but that is not going to happen. I will be sitting in traffic with the rest of the people. You may have to leave now to get there, actually. Yeah. Noon game. Noon games are tough. Noon games yeah. are oh. tough. Oh. Tough on the traffic. You got to be like 7 a.m. in the car, right? Well, I know who will be there for sure is Jim Harbaugh. Correct. And uh, look, Harbaugh won two games last year, went two and four, lost to Michigan State as a, I don't know what they were, 20-something point favorite, a huge favorite. Uh, they just didn't even play Ohio State due to COVID, and uh, that was probably a relief in, in the long run. Had his salary cut, pretty shook up his entire staff, was pretty much on the way out. And uh, for all the uh, criticism, you got to give them all the credit in the world. They're 7-0 and uh, rolling along pretty well, heading into this game. Michigan State team that is also 7-0 and that nobody saw coming. Over-under wins were four and a half. Mel Tucker's second year is rolling. But to get to to get to Michigan, I mean, I think Michigan State's just playing with house money at this point. Certainly possible they could win the Big Ten in this final month of what's going to be, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and and perhaps Penn State. We'll see. Without Sean Clifford, they really aren't any good. We'll get to some Penn State. 
But for Harbaugh, I think what's interesting here is like this season has undoubtedly been a success so far. All the can he win the non-conference? Well, Washington, they they cooked him. Washington wasn't that good. They went on the road to beat Wisconsin. They went on the road and won a classic game against Nebraska. They've pounded some teams they were supposed to pound. They survived an upset, a, a scare from Rutgers. Everything's rolling along. Does he have to win this game? I, I think it's fair to say they're going to be significant underdogs against Ohio State, and they probably can't beat them. But does he have to beat Michigan State and Penn State? And I know 11-1 and or 12-0 and is a, is a high bar, but this is the Michigan job. I'm not saying he's going to get fired because he isn't, but how important is this game not going down 0-2 to Mel Tucker, uh, continuing to set up that big game at the end of the year with Ohio State? Because I think if they get by Michigan State, it's, it's right there. Uh, how important is this game for Jim Harbaugh, who has already answered every important call this season? Pat? Oh, I think it's Before important. Before Pat goes, Dan, I'm, I'm just impressed that you haven't already ditched the podcast because you cashed your ticket for Michigan over this year because you were on that and we gave you a bunch of flack for it. What was it? Was it I, seven? No, no. It was seven. Seven. Okay. okay. So it you got to get one All more. Right. All right. All right. I need got one it. more, but I was on that. Yeah. But that was so, easy anyway, one because... Thanks we don't give you many compliments my on this show, so that's a compliment. You were all over <laughs> I got that. a lot of heat for that one. I got scoffed <laughs> at. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, we scoff at you a lot. So <laughs> Somebody went 6-0 and last week. Uh, nobody else did. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Pat. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to bring it up before Dan did, basically. Here, well, here's uh, the thing about Michigan. <laughs> this is Jim Harbaugh's record at Michigan. That are, and, and I And they've... This all carry an L against Ohio State, but 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 8 and 5, 10 and 3, 9 and 4. Now they're 2 and 4 and then 7 0. Other than last year, they are pretty good. Whatever the hell that means, I don't know. You could also look and say they're third, third, fourth, third in the East. They tied for first in the East once. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, hard, it's a hard coach to figure out, and it's a hard program to figure out. Like, what the hell is good at Michigan? No, I mean, it's 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 a pretty fascinating conundrum. And I think you you look and say, all right, he's done way better than his two predecessors, Brady Hoke and Ralph Rich Rodriguez. He you know, that that's a program that wants to be in that double digit wins up to 12 wins, maybe up to 13 wins, win the Big Ten. That's always been a big thing there, you know, compete for a national championship. And he has not done that. Uh, you know, it's like for a, for a while there, it's like everything plateaued on that fourth and one spot in 2016 against Ohio State. Spot goes Ohio State's way. Ohio State continues on, you know, goes to the playoff. Urban Meyer's mastery of Michigan continues unabated. And Harbaugh's program stagnates at that point. Now this is a reboot this year, okay? Reshaped his staff, younger staff, really helped him, I think. By all accounts, energized and engaged. So you're 7-0, and and yes, you've checked all the boxes you have to check. But to your point, Dan, to answer your question, big game, I think, for them to continue the momentum, to make everyone believe, okay, you know, we have taken a step back. We're back on the way up. We have stopped stagnating and then last year declining. Now we're going back up. And maybe we're not going to be quite good enough to beat Ohio State, 
And that really sticks in the craw of Michigan people. But if you get to Ohio State 11-0 and you have that big game in the big house and you at least, you know, stay on the field, you don't get blown off of it as you have been several times recently by the Buckeyes, I think everybody's pretty energized about where the program is. But you got to beat Michigan State first. I used your exact phrase on Big Ten Network today. Michigan State is playing with house money. Mel Tucker's playing with house money. They've wildly overachieved. You know, they, they, this was not expected from them by any stretch. And so, you know, you give them credit. Sure, they, they very much want to beat Michigan because that's their, you know, that's their biggest rival game. But at the same time, if you don't beat Michigan, nobody's going to say, oh, Mel Tucker can't do it. Oh, the program's no good. I mean, you're, everybody's pretty energized about where they're headed right now. So if you, say, if you ask me who needs it more, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan needs it more. I, I would agree with that. And right now for Michigan, when you look at Harbaugh and Harbaugh's future, because, look, they should. I mean, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites at Michigan State. They should beat sort of an Indiana team that is that is feeling the force of gravity come crashing down upon their program. At Penn State, certainly doesn't look that intimidating right now, considering that the mighty Illini went in there and uh, Penn State couldn't uh, pee a drop, as they say, on offense. And, uh, at Maryland, certainly doesn't look intimidating anymore. They are in the middle of a quintessential Mike Loxley freefall. Ohio State's Ohio State. So... I think this about Michigan right now. I give the administration their credit for bringing Harbaugh back to a market contract. I don't have any sort of delusions that they can beat Ohio State on the field this year. I think Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. I think they've separated themselves from the Big Ten. And this season may be even indicative more of how far that separation is. That said, I think that one thing Harbaugh has done this year is he has sort of rallied the administrative base. He worked with Ward Manuel for these hires. Ward Manuel's had a big hand in this staff overhaul. So even if they lose to Michigan State and they get walloped again by Ohio State and maybe drop another, I don't think Harbaugh's in any danger. I don't think Michigan institutionally is Auburn or is one of these places that says we need a league title or bust. I think Michigan is going to be just fine and they have shown this time and time again. They have accepted a program that's good enough to come in second place. And, you know, they, look, all these Michigan, they've been, there's been no issues off the field, right? I mean, none that, that I can think of of any kind of prominence. And Jim Harbaugh has done a good job coaching Michigan. He just hasn't done a good enough job to come close other than the fourth and one, since the fourth and one especially, to winning the Big Ten title. It seems like they hit a ceiling, they've reverted down, and now, you know, it's, again, the, the same gravity that is forcing Indiana down. Well, Michigan's rising because they're Michigan. Michigan is doing this with a team that I don't really think is all that talented. I think they have two elite players on defense, and they're pretty average after Dax Hill and Aiden Hudgens. Aiden Hudgens, it's, it's, he should be in the Heisman. I mean, he's one of the five best players in college football, period, this season. The, the fact monster. that he hasn't gotten more publicity, I don't know if that's our fault or that's Michigan's fault, but he is a game wrecker. I mean, he is not quite Chase Young, but he's in that same sort of atmosphere as him. And I give Mike McDonald a lot of credit. He should be the defensive coordinator. He should be in the Broyles conversation. Now, I don't know if that was because Michigan's defense got so sideways under Don Brown and just became so one-dimensional in what they did that he's just come in and kind of give them a little diversity and, and allowed them to just have some general success by, I don't think he's like reimagined defensive football 
in other words. I think he's come in and just been like a pretty steady hand and really used the two chess pieces he has really in a really in a in a striking fashion. So look, Michigan is is good. They've had they've had blips and they've had little moments of I just but any notion of like uh you know a free fall here and Harbaugh loses his job, I don't see it. Don't underestimate the ego of the administration in helping. They feel like they're a part of the staff now too. When you look at Ward Manuel and his when in his crew there, like that's that's a powerful thing. And at the end of the day, and this is probably one of the reasons why he's still there. Nobody at Michigan wants to be part of firing Jim Harbaugh. Like that's a big deal. That's hard to do. That's like Florida firing Tim Tebow or something like that. You know, it's like when when BYU brought in Ty Detmer as an offense coordinator it was a disaster. That's a hard divorce now. You know, like that is it's different when your coach is your you know legendary player. So he is not the best quarterback in Michigan history. I want to be very clear about that. But he's definitely at the top of that second tier. So it's been fascinating. I mean, look, say this about Harbaugh. It's never been boring, ever. You know, he's not the most popular former player. He's not a guy who's like buddies with everybody or anything like that. But he's definitely a Michigan guy. The thing with Michigan is they, you know, there's there's a there's a the the, the disconnect with Michigan is not in, in administration or even a large portion of the fan base that has unrealistic expectations, right? Uh, some don't, but that's that's always the case. But they, the administration doesn't have unrealistic expectations, and they listen to what I consider the more, just the more reasonable fans, not wild ones that are constantly like, we need to fire this coach and win. We must win. We, mu- we must be national champs. The disconnect is in the the branding, which they've done to make them out to be one of the greatest programs that always a national contender and all this stuff that the, the, the folklore doesn't match the reality. But if, cause if you look at Michigan, Bo Schembechler never won a national title. They won half, they split a title under Lloyd Carr. That's it. I mean, we're talking 50, 60 years here. This is not a team that's got this string of that. Na- Even Notre Dame as, as much as it's about folklore, like they didn't win. They won in 88 and they won it with Joe Montana. Like, Michigan never did. They won the one title. They had one one title they split with Nebraska. They were what they are. What they are is a really good program. They win a lot of games. They certainly think they do things the right way. They graduate a lot of guys. They have an incredible stadium. It's a great game day atmosphere. It's a fun place to go. It draws in students from around the like everything Michigan wants out of its football program, it delivers except that elite, elite victory. And they want that. But there is a, they'd rather accept this than be one of these programs, Sully, <laughs> who's chasing his tail around. We're talking about big for- football here. What the hell? Like, what, what are we <laughs> We're talking about programs that last won titles in, say, the late 90s. Yeah, but I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know what you should be. I don't know which one's the right one, but it, uh, there is a sense with a lot of Michigan fans, it's like, Eh, Ohio State, we really, really want to beat Ohio State one of these days. I mean, they really do, but it's not like they were never willing to do everything that Ohio State was willing to do to win that. And I'm not I'm not doing this white hat, black hat thing, but there are shades of gray. There are there is a level of effort. Michigan's just like, yeah, you know, we're really good in everything. Like they got a top 10 basketball team. They got the number one hockey team. They'll win a field hockey or a softball. Now they're good at everything at Michigan and they care about like their hospital and crap. Like this is the stuff Michigan fans care about. 
Now, is there an element that's like, we got to beat Ohio State? Yeah, sure. But they're kind of looking like, well, what's reasonable? Do they want better? Yes. But they're not willing to storm the Schembechler Hall with pitchforks and, and torches just because. So if Jim Harbaugh goes 10 and 2 or 9 and 3, he's fine. If he can go 11 and 1, yeah, he's going to keep being the coach there. And, and can they improve? You know, you know, there's a really good junior quarterback in Detroit, Dante Moore out of Martin Luther King High School. And if Michigan can get him, uh, he's not as highly, he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't have the hype of Arch Manning. Man, this kid can play. And they got a really good shot. At, like, can they get him and, and keep that momentum going? They've got young quarterbacks. They'll they'll stick with them. And, and I I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an important distinction that both you and Pete have made. And I, I guess I add my voice to it that Michigan wants to be good. Michigan is not desperate to be to win all every game, you know. And for all the reasons you guys mentioned, and also throw in the fact that probably a top five state university in the nation academically. Uh, and there's a little bit of arrogance that goes with Michigan. Oh, stature. Oh, oh, they'll tell you number one. <laughs> they'll tell you okay. number one. There's well, no top you know. five on that. Okay. We're talking about hospitals and U.S. News <laughs> World Report <laughs> rankings. Bring the pitchforks to Schembechler I, Hall. That's way I'm more telling fun. you. That's what it I'm talking me. about, Pete. <laughs> it ain't like me. Like, yeah, have a riot. You got to listen to these people. about the poetry department next? <laughs> they will. Come on. They care. They care about it. It's crazy. Is I'll there like, really? the presidents that went there? Gerald Ford. I know. I know hardcore Michigan fans will be like, well, I won that softball title. Like, two. I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's. Yeah, no, they they don't have a they they don't have a Bobby Louder fringe there or contingent, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's just gonna go in and say, no, we're making changes because we can't stand not being champions. You know, that so that that element, if it exists, it's not a powerful element. All right. It's been sublimated. Yeah. Uh, their Bobby Louder Stephen Ross, and Stephen Ross does own his own team. So he doesn't yeah, need to do yeah. it to Michigan. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Very good point. <laughs> Steven Ross is their guy. You know what Steven Ross is spending his money on? He's going to build an entire graduate school in the city of Detroit for the University of Michigan. Like, that's what he's going to spend like half a billion dollars on. Not, you know what? Uh, so it's, he owns the Dolphins, the school. by the way. Our listeners may not know that. He's the yes, Dolphins he owns, owner. Yes. He's about and the to Ross trade School for, of yeah. Business and the Ross yeah, he, this and the Ross that. And yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, it is what it is, man. They're just, there's not this element that's like, how about when this game we're firing them? We, we will deal. I mean, we're, we'll talk about Texas Tech. They fired a guy with a five and three this year. They just got fired at Texas Tech, right? I mean, the rest of the sport is nuts. These guys have like a little smidge of like reasonability that's like so <laughs> weird. You don't, tr you're like, this, that can't be real, is it? You guys actually like care about this? There's not many places that have a hundred thousand seat stadium and perspective. And I think you yeah. could say Michigan more or less has both. I don't know. I think they need to win this weekend. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's get back to the original point. Be a hell of a lot better <laughs> for them if they win than they lose this yeah. one. <laughs> sure would help. It's pretty, you know, you can only ride that. Hey, we beat Wisconsin yeah. for so long. Yeah. I'd be curious how good they are. Like to really dial in on their roster, like next year. Now I give them credit. Like they've, they've been better than I thought this year. And I just wonder when some of that high-end talent goes, if this is some of those, there were a couple of recruiting classes where Don Brown was just taking like the eighth best player in Connecticut at that position. 
and we've certainly written about this. They were like the mockery in the recruiting circles there for a while. And that stuff you don't feel right away. That's the stuff you all of a sudden start to feel when you've got uh, when you've got guys running down on punt team that should be at uh, UConn. And that's when that's when it could catch up to them. And I don't I don't know they're too deep well enough or know what they have. Now again, you get a little success, you can start getting elite guys from the portal, and maybe you can you know you can you, a little momentum can go a long way in college football when you got a when you got a cool looking helmet. <laughs> their last three, their last few recruiting classes ranked 11th, 11th, 10th, 24th. It would be their seniors right now. Sounds about right. It's like, good. They're good. That yep. ain't going to beat Ohio State. Not going to get it done. Right. But it's going to win you a lot of games. Yeah. And, uh, Those are similar you know, like to the rankings where when the Brian Kelly was having at Notre Dame when they went into the 2018 playoff. You know, and they were good enough to go 12 and 0 against a pretty good schedule. But then you run up against Clemson, and Trevor Lawrence and those guys. And it's like, yeah, no, no longer good enough. Michigan's also one of those places, too, where the three stars become four when they commit to Michigan. Oh, yeah. yeah. If they commit to Indiana, they're not. So again, I trust because our, our rivals guys I, I don't, don't do that. Well, I only look at rivals. That's why yeah, I don't do 24 huh? seven. That thing's a, it's, it's a trick. I say this every time, but in 24 seven. And they have scouts who do a good job, but their system, you can have, if everyone rates you a four-star, you get you become a five-star. Like, if everyone rates, like, you go up because the way the averages work. And it's the worst because it puts undue, if you're a four-star, you're a four-star. It's like, if every team was going to draft you in the second round, it doesn't make you a first-round pick. But then they, these guys come in and they're like, hey, it's a five-star. It's like, nah, he's not a five-star. He's a bunch, everyone agreed. I don't know. Maybe there's a little of that. But Michigan, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do this weekend. Let's get to another Big Ten. Sean Clifford, according to uh, James Franklin, will be 100% this weekend. We saw him some spot duty against Illinois. Uh, without him, this is not a good team. With them, perhaps, we will see. I don't know what they can handle Ohio State at the horseshoe. But they, they, need, they need it. And that's a man, welcome back. Uh, if, you're, if you're 99%, uh, that's, that's a tough, tough go against that uh, Buckeyes. The interesting thing to me about Penn State this week, and look, we're going to pick all these games later in the week in the race for the case, is, uh, you know, word breaks that on Monday that James Franklin gets a new agent, Jimmy Sexton of CAA, the power agent. Boy, that's not really a good time for that news to break for old James (laughs) Franklin. Yeah, after laying a dinosaur egg at home against Illinois. It did happen a while ago, but he said that today, and that's actually, it. it, that happened weeks ago. So, I, have, I, I can't disagree that not the good to break. Bad, That's all I said. Not, yeah, it's not like a new revelation. It is to the fans who. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I mean, if I'm Penn State fan, like, so all the jobs open and all of a sudden you get the new agent. So what are we doing? Are we talking about next year's job? Are we, why are you getting an agent? It's not you're focused on this. Want to know, want to know, want to know. That's what he always re- t- tweets out. Since you got the agent, you lost to Iowa and you lost to Illinois couldn't design you know i mean that's that's you're getting paid this much money and this much expectation that's it are you focused or are you not and that's not a that's not a great look for james franklin coach that could use a victory this weekend put james franklin pretty high up on that list that's for sure uh, yes but also i think very low on the probability you know uh, but yeah that's uh, look audrey snyder from the athletic praised her credit where due she wrote a very good kind of analysis of where penn state is uh this week after that loss and said you know so the 
the problems that this team has have been problems that James Franklin's teams have had kind of repeatedly. Offensive line play, uh, where they have really never been that good. You lose one game and it snowballs into two, which always goes against Franklin's thing of, I am only focused on one game. Well, then how come you keep losing a game after that game? You know, and that they've, they've, the school has given him everything he's asked for in terms of support staff, facilities, fundraising, everything. And here they are with two losses and you're staring at three really difficult games to go. And if you go seven and five with this team, it makes it look like last year's big disappointment was less of a COVID mulligan than maybe it was put panned off as being. So they, they sure as heck better at least show up against Ohio State. Their defense is good. They they obviously missed P.J. Mustafer, who got injured in the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, but when even – so what? You should never have Illinois run for 357 yards in your stadium against you. That's embarrassing. Scoring 10 points in regulation against Illinois is embarrassing. Not being able to get three yards over and over and over and over again in overtime is embarrassing. That was a really bad loss, and it does – put in stark relief like Franklin's name being bandied about for both USC and LSU and there's some Penn State fans that I know I've talked to like yeah if he wants to go let him if he stays okay but it's not like we're gonna sit here and cry because James Franklin may be walking out so if he's planning on you know the Jimmy Sexton stick up you know give me eight million or I walk I don't think there'll be a lot of people that will be in favor of giving him eight million yeah it's it's an interesting crossroads for James it almost seems like it would be a good time for him to go you know like he's done that place pretty well he has an unbelievable recruiting class coming he has the yes. number one quarterback depending on who you, you you talk to um coming in they got another very good quarterback in the next class behind there they've got a ton of high-end guys coming so it's hard to say the future is dark because the future is is as bright you know other than Saquon I mean th they have as good of like crew of recruits coming in as they've had that said it just sometimes for these coaches it's what was it Larry Brown's five and drive um <laughs> it's hard to get past like it's hard to get past like seven in in college football because he can go to one of these new places and he's gonna have the new car sent again so in in look he's had He's had some excellent years at Penn State, and he's had some underwhelming years at Penn State. And this one for James and his long-term future is trending towards underwhelming at the wrong time. Um, in the wake of sort of a year that was that was cast aside as a bit of a COVID hiccup. Now that said, like that Auburn win's still a pretty good win. That I, I think eighteen you know, drank tigers beat that eighteen drank tigers perpetually, perpetually <laughs> tattoo it, tattoo it on him. And I just think that. Ohio State is playing really well right now, and I think a little underappreciated in how the level that they are playing compared to the last time we saw them in the big picture, which was against uh, which was against Oregon. And so I really think the big game for James is going to be Michigan going there because that series history, Penn State has really stomped Michigan in state college. And so I, I think that's and James is a little batty today too. He said we're focused on Illinois twice when he was talking about Ohio State, yeah. and then instead of saying we're going to the horseshoe, he said we're going to the big house. Like again, we all misspeak and and and, and everything, but that just seemed like an odd time for. I'm not going to read too much into that, but it just seemed odd that it was. We uh, all drink at work. We all drink <laughs> at work. <laughs> People have listened to this podcast and said they sound a little batty today. So yeah. <laughs> 
I never misspeak, and I have great oh. pronunciation of <laughs> yeah. everything. Don't, so. don't play our post-NFL draft podcast if you want any empirical evidence. For that. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been an HR violation or two. I don't know. I can't prove it at this point. No, I mean, that's 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 going to be a uh, it's going to be a big game. I, you know, he's another one that's kind of you're just stuck with this behind Ohio State. And it's like, what are you going to do? I do remember uh, Billy Tubbs, the great Billy Tubbs basketball coach at many places because of this quote, one of his many quotes. It's a philosopher, really, with Billy Tubbs. <laughs> uh, and he remember him saying, don't stay anywhere more than seven years. After seven years, you make no more friends. You only make enemies. James Franklin's in year eight, so might be. I don't know. You don't hire Jimmy Sexton if you're just not focused on this whole thing at all. Like, what? Yeah. Jobs open? <laughs> I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It means Sexton. Right. <laughs> how about how about Mike Tomlin's uh, announcing of USC today? That was that was like don't insult that's how you shut one down. Who? Where yes. did that report come from? That was a terrible report. Carson Palmer. Carson yeah. Palmer. I mean, come on. If you know <laughs> the only you know worst Mike one Tomlin, was the uh, Jeff. The only worst one was Jeff Fisher to USC. Oh, that was like ridiculous. my God! They'd hire the they'd hire the three of us as the OCDC and special teams coordinator before they'd yeah, hire but, Jeff Fisher as head coach. At I'm talking the other way to go eight and eight. The other <laughs> way. <laughs> That's a good line, Sully. That is good. <laughs> they would want Mike Tomlin. Any college would be lucky to have Mike Tomlin. It's if awful. you know anything about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> I was like, what? Why don't you just throw Belichick out there? Like. <laughs> I like the Steelers don't change. It's just, I, I, I remember I saw that thing as a, I was like, oh my, forget it, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. absolutely no way. First off, even if he was to get, even if he somehow didn't want to coach the Steelers anymore, it's like 20 NFL teams would immediately grab him as fast absolutely. as they could. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. Look at some of these dunderheads who are NFL coaches right now. Like, it's unbelievable. You don't think somebody would want Mike Tomlin? Does the name Mike Vic Tomlin Fangio not, come to mind? There? That was, <laughs> I saw that thing. I was like, that was one of the worst reports. I was like, okay, so Carson Palmer. Okay. Well, it was, yeah, back-to-back -back days. We got Mike Tomlin and then, yes, the, the Jeff Fisher one. Which, Jeff Fisher. Yeah. I could see I mean, Jeff that, Fisher being like, put my name out well, there Well, of for course. It. Mike yeah. Tomlin. But that, I'd not, like the... It, it, Jeff Fisher one was like somebody had a tweet stuck in drafts from 2015 and accidentally hit send on it or something. It's like, I mean, he hadn't been a candidate for anything. Come on. No, he's never going to be a candidate. No, yeah. he's not he a college begged. football coach. Yeah, he begged for the Vanderbilt job last year. Begged yeah. for it. One job that's open, let's deal with this quickly, is uh, Matt Wells fired at Texas Tech after uh, two plus years. Um, he's 13 and 17 overall. He's five and three this year. Uh, they lost and blew a game at, at Kansas state, but, uh, you know, and, and they have, I, I saw the, I think it was the AP story. Like, well, why'd you fire him now? And it was sort of the, the, the theory was, well, they, they have their tough games coming up. Well, why don't we see if they win them? Um, I don't, unless there's something else to this, like they got Iowa, no. they, they have an, they have Oklahoma, yeah, there's not anything Iowa else State. to it. They they just didn't like him. I mean, he just wasn't one of them, and he was not embraced from the moment he got there. And, you know, he tried to adjust. He hired Sonny Cumbie. He kind of did the, what they want, but that, yeah. And, and the reason they fired him now is very simple, because if he beats Oklahoma, it'd be really yeah. hard to fire him. 
Because in Oklahoma yeah. kind of yeah. stinks. But and if he like, beats Oklahoma, theoretically, Texas he Tech might okay. be having a pretty like, good season. Right. Lo and behold, and so this, they could. This to me was terrible by the administration. They screwed their players. They, they absolutely screwed. You got a team. You sign up to be on the team. You want to play the season. You're five and three, and you're all excited. We got Oklahoma. We got Iowa State. Let's go. Yeah, we lost last week. I, I, I'm on a team, and you just sit there and say, we don't care about you, and we don't care about your team. We're just going to fire your coach. And I, there's no reason not to give him that opportunity and fire him at the end of the year. But you didn't just screw him. What about the kids of the team? Absolutely. And it's this, tech, this Texas Tech. Your last coach you fired is 7-0 and in the NFL. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's just... It's a hard job, man. You had Patrick Mahomes and you didn't win. You had Patrick Mahomes and a coach who's 7-0 and in the NFL, and you couldn't win. It's a tough place. And I, I just think you screwed your players like that. I, the bad on the Texas Tech administration. This is why, as much as you can laugh at Michigan, like there's at least, at least they wouldn't do this to their guys. No, absolutely not. And that's I, I, the message to the players is truly, we really do not care about you or this season at all. Because we're going to pull the plug now because we're afraid you may win games. And then we're going to have to keep a guy. Oh, boy. So we're going to make the definitive decision after 30 games and in the middle of a, of a year when we have a winning record. And, yes, I know that Texas Tech's one of those schools that the non-conference schedule is always bad. And so you, you puff it up with some wins there. But still, five and three and at least give them a chance third season you might want to see exactly what they can put together against the best teams in the in the league. And boy, to your point, Dan, I mean, I did something in the dash on toughest jobs, and you you could really argue a lot of it. But I think Texas Tech is absolutely one of the hardest jobs in the Power Five. And you know, maybe you can get uh, Sonny Dykes or Jeff Trailer. Uh, you know, we're doing good work at SMU and UTSA, respectively, but. There's got to be a lot of coaches out there saying, why would I want to go to that place if they're going to pull the trigger on you 30 games into your tenure and not even let you try to win some big games? Bad look on that one. All right, cocktail party. Let's get to this quickly. Um, obviously, Georgia is rolling. Presented by um, Dos by the way, and we can't call it the cocktail party. What? The cocktail what? party is, is – is, is, wait, 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 hold on. What? We can't call it – Dos Equis? So Who says? So Georgia, tweet, Georgia tweeted it out. Uh, that it's presented by Dos Equis, but people are, you know, people poo-poo on the whole, the booze connection. But uh, So wait, wait, wait. Georgia can say it has a beer deal, but the players can't. Yeah, right. Right? Players, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not mm -hmm. a cocktail party. Okay. All right, yeah. The drunken disaster that's about to hit Jacksonville. <laughs> you never see so many drunk people wearing sweaters tied around their neck. It's this more of a the, George crowd, man. <laughs> Jacksonville for this one. Well, the Georgia, the Georgia people driving it's out jean of there. Shorts meet, yeah, jean shorts meet the 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 sweaters. <laughs> I was driving out of the cocktail party one year, and you know it's 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 usually a day game. It's always a day game, so it's evening, and a woman flashed me from the back of her minivan. That's a true <laughs> from story. The back of a minivan. Oh my! Yes. All right, Pete. <laughs> I really didn't know what to do. I was like, <laughs> Florida plates or, or Georgia plates on that thing. Memory's a little question. little hazy because it was a while ago. But I don't I, think uh, you're looking at the license plate at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, All right. Anyway, Georgia is obviously needs this to continue to climb on. They could probably lose this game, still reach the playoff. A lot ahead of them. They're they're rolling along. Bigger game to me is for Florida. Uh, Gators are four and three. They're two and three in the league. They're four wins. They have not beaten anyone. No offense to Tennessee, Sully. Sully, Tennessee is their someone. Uh, but other than that, no one. I'll give them the someone. Dan Mullins says both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson will play on Saturday. We do not know how much. Uh, George is going to have a talent advantage. I think that's probably the most distressing part of the Dan Mullen time in Florida. He's recruited good, but why wouldn't you be able to? You're Florida, and it's not like Miami and Florida State are doing anything. Usually, those three programs just pass the baton of like dominance around. And then there's unbelievable scandal that follows. It's it's pretty classic. <laughs> with those, two. it's like a, a merry-go-round, right? Now none of them are any good. Uh, how much does Dan Mullen need this this win? I know he's not like going to lose his job or anything, but and he's and and the probability scale is you know it's a little better than James Franklin, but not not maybe a whole lot. So Pat, your thoughts on Dan Mullen? Yeah, it's an interesting situation where like last year. I think everybody was like, wow, see, look what a great job. What a great hire Dan Mullen was. You know, when you take Kyle Trask uh, and you have Kyle Pitts and and you have this really explosive, talented team and you push Alabama in the SEC championship game. First of all, you pound Georgia in the cocktail party uh, and then you push Alabama in the championship game. And boy, oh boy, is it the SEC, you know, when things swing this this dramatically and now – you know, the, the big thing was you lose to Kentucky, then you follow it up and lose to an LSU team that's getting rid of its coach. People swing in a hurry. And now, you know, they can't believe Todd Grantham is still the defensive coordinator and they can't believe that Dan Mullen can't figure out his quarterbacks. And, you know, this is life in the SEC. As you said, look, Scott Strickland's a pretty level-headed guy. He's not sitting there saying, you know, you have to win this game or you're in trouble or anything like that, especially when the rest of the schedule looks very manageable. But, it will be uncomfortable to be Dan Mullen if you get smoked by Georgia and you've got at least four losses uh, at the end of this year. So, you know, that, that again, that comes with the big salary. That comes with the big job. That's the way it is. Yeah, I think sort of the, the I don't know, the reports of Mullen's demise have been, I think, greatly exaggerated here. I saw people, like, putting him on the hot seat this week, and I, like, laughed out loud. I mean, that's just, yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous. He is in a bad stretch. There is no doubt they have not recruited at the elite, elite, elite level there. But like I think when you when you take a look at the like the composite work at Florida, he's 33 and 12 Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Look, it's it's not Urban Meyer. And that's the standard he helped create, quite frankly. He was the play caller on uh, on both of those national championship teams under Meyer. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I kind of like saw this U-turn and I was like, Hmm, like, okay. I mean, they were a disaster at Kentucky. There's no other way to say it. They had what, 15 penalties and the LSU loss was not great, but I, I think, I don't know, especially when you look at Richardson and see what the future can be. Sure. It's uncomfortable for Mullen. And you do wonder he's, he's someone who has had a, a little bit of an eye on the NFL. The NFL NFL's had a little bit of eye on him. I don't think like at this moment in time, that's imminent, but I, I say this, if you're USC and you look at your list, right, I don't know. Like maybe that's – maybe maybe you start to get a little bit of a wandering eye because, you know, the, the natives are a little bit restless there. I don't know. But there's – I think there's a lot of good in Dan Mullen, a lot of good in the work that he has uh, that he has done there. And I think 
in my opinion, this is more of a blip than than it is sort of a some sort of downward spiral trend for uh, for Florida. Could use the win. All right. Um, story that was most sent to us, I believe, this week. Uh, well, maybe this may become a weekly category. I don't know. I I I just like it that people read this and think of us immediately. <laughs> Group of high school students in Massachusetts had to ride on a party bus. <laughs> complete with a stripper pole and neon lights during a recent field trip. I believe the field trip was the foxy lady in Providence. I don't know. (laughs) It's an experience. Their teacher said highlights problems with the education system. What? There's no problem. (laughs) Jim Mayer is an 11th grade advanced placement language and composition teacher at the Brook Charter School in Boston. Uh, said the original bus had fallen through. Quote, it's a funny story. It was actually a real bus shortage. Speaks to major flaws in our education system. Ah, oh, lighten up, Jim. <laughs> I would have taken the field trips a lot more seriously if there was a stripper pole and neon lights on the way there. Uh, I know this. Your dad would have been running to chaperone those two now. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Every every dad at the school is lined up for next trip. <laughs> we don't the aquarium, that, uh, nah, nah, I don't want the aquarium. Nope, nope. Lexington and Concord, nope, nope. Ah, Providence. Let's go, yeah. Let's go let's to go. Providence. Sign me up on sign up, sign up, genius. Yeah. That beats old Sturbridge Village, I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, it was a pair. I mean, they didn't have a school bus. They went with the next best thing. The party bus isn't working during the day. <laughs> I see no problem see? with this. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, if it's if it's simply a bus that gets them from point A to point B, I mean, maybe kids are more worldly these days and can figure out what all the accoutrements are for and everything. I'm not sure I would have known when I was <laughs> 15 or 16 sitting on the bus, you know? <laughs> I, I think if there was a pole and there were neon lights flashing around a Pat, you would have probably... Uh, <laughs> They're a little more. I don't think we want to smart. dive into the mind of sixteen-year-old Pat Forty right now, but I'm, I'm going to give yeah. you the benefit of the doubt there. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give the I'm going to give the people at the the Brook Charter School the uh, the street smarts to know what the hell uh, that was going on on this bus. <laughs> so okay. Okay. anyway, keep us posted. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brook Charter School. Keep us. I think posted. Brook Charter School is in Eastie. Could be. Yeah, I think they That's they my, know what the sh- poll is for. They know what the poll is for <laughs> over in East Boston. I mean, look, uh, so also regular listeners, uh, I think they know we, we, we like to steer clear of politics on this podcast, mainly because pol- political discussions are stupid and we have important things to detail like chicken sandwich wars <laughs> that really impact the people. That's right. But sometimes the real world infringes <laughs> and silence is just not an option when there are threats <laughs> to the very fabric of democracy. <laughs> Such as the recent controversy, the stop the steal of the election for a homecoming queen at the University of Alabama. That's right. It's a doozy down there in Tuscaloosa. Did you a see the voter turnout? Oh, the voter turnout was incredible. 13,000 yeah. of 31,000 Alabama students voted. It's 42% of a... Voter participation. Can you imagine getting forty-two percent turnout from in from age eighteen to twenty-two of that demographic for anything that actually mattered? It'd be great. This country would, yeah, this country would be governed much differently. Yeah, you could. They, they literally have like candidates out there that are like, "I am in favor of free college," and you can't get forty-two percent of the college students 
to vote for them. Okay. <laughs> I will pay all of your student loans and take all of your debt away. Eh, just can't really get to it. But, <laughs> but, but homecoming queen. Like, you would think that platform would interest a college student. Anyway. You might think the Alabama homecoming queen election is not that important, or it's just a battle between two tall photogenic blondes. Well, in this case, you'd be correct. (laughs) Uh, But there is a Paul cast over, uh, and these are real names. It was a real battle between these two. McLean Moore, that is the most Alabama name you could possibly come up with. Extremely sorority, yeah. McLean Moore defeated Montana Fouts in, uh, in quite a battle. Um, oh, she was the softball player. Yes, yes. The softball star Still Montana yes. Fouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess she's Still not is. past tense. So here's the controversy. First off, they apparently cheating in the Alabama homecoming queen election is so rampant that they have uh, numerous rules that are often violated and uh, points are assigned to each violation. And you're only <laughs> allowed to rack up 12 points. So you can cheat. Is there a committee on infractions? That There is. That... There literally is. This, this, yeah, this no, story is incredible. It is unbelievable. Uh, area to cheat. Shocking. The crimson <laughs> white. You're allowed 12 infraction points. Uh, you, if you if you surpass the 12, you can still be you can no longer be crowned queen. But before that, so you can cheat. Just don't cheat too much. <laughs> I mean, it's the SEC way, right? Like it really is. Just means more. Yeah, you can cheat. You just don't quite get to the don't get to the Hugh Freeze stage. That's it. Yeah. Yes. That's it. <laughs> So uh, she 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 blew past the twelve. She just she annihilated the twelve. Uh, well, there's let me, first off, somehow she won. She just claimed victory. She only got forty seven percent of the votes. You're supposed to get fifty plus one. There should have been a runoff, but she took the crown anyway. Grabbed it like the bouquet toss by a bridesmaid at a Nashville wedding. Like she just just took it. She's taking this thing. I am going to be the homecoming queen. Uh, but she violated numerous things. And the really the the, the best is that. She uh, she did not report total expenditures uh, or where her donations and in-kind donations came from. There's dark money in this in this race <laughs> and her campaign videos were like so they're on her Instagram page is now private, which is probably a good idea. This thing was like it could have they could have run it in the last. This could have been a Trump or Biden commercial. She's like walking campus, talking to different groups. And you're like, there's no way you're talking to that dude. Uh, any other maybe there is she's like working with the big brothers big sisters and then there's montana fouts who's her campaign video is basically a guy with an iphone and she's just striking dudes out that was her whole thing and it was like i'm gonna i like it i like it i can't i I can't uh it was like i I got struck out crush it with nil money right like she was the she's the softball player yeah, she's, she's done quite well like, with NIL stuff. Yeah. yeah. She's like uh, a Jenny Finch of this generation-ish, yeah. right? Cameo. Maybe her campaign she's been big was on self-funded. Cameo. Self-funded campaign. I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is the, 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 the... So I guess we'll people's court this, pack because this is a big deal. Big deal. Uh, you know, these elections now all end up in the courts. Should there be a revote, or did did uh, McLean Moore just basically exploit this this the shaky rule book that they have down there at the Alabama homecoming. And does she deserve it? What they should do is detonate the rule book in a ceremony at midnight at Brian Denny stadium. Since we have, why, why do we have a rule book with all these regulations for an Alabama homecoming queen election? Who cares? Cheat, cheat as much as you want. 
Who cares? But only in, it's Alabama and it's, you know, the SEC. So homecoming means a big, uh, it's a big deal. But I mean, th- this to me just cracks me up that, and, and why do you need campaign contributions? What are you doing with the money? It's like, well, I need a crimson cocktail dress for the, to, you know, to, to, for the, when they walk all the candidates out on the field. I mean, what, what, what I don't You're understand. Naive, Pat. You're naive. I, yeah. Naive. Pat, the last First time. Off, The last time you sounded this misguided about Alabama was when you chose Miami to cover in the opener, okay? (laughs) There's a reason why there are so many rules in the Alabama Homecoming Queen contest, because cheating is rampant. It's just like there's the NCAA rulebook ever complaints is so thick. It's, let yeah, them cheat, Those then. guys have cheated for generations. There is cheating because there let is an Alabama cheat. homecoming queen on the line. They need the rules. They need it. And that is why they're in there because there is just generate. This goes back to Joe Namath's gal was cheating when she was trying to be the homecoming queen. All right. So please don't underestimate the viciousness of the Alabama homecoming queen race. All right. I, I, I find it appalling that you don't think there's should be rules. There should be more. I deregulate the homecoming race. That's what I'm saying. Failure. Her financial disclosure forms were a mess. She was reporting she had zero in expenditures, but at the same time, she had personalized signs and buttons all over campus and a car painting event at the parking lot across from the Calvary Baptist Church. That ain't cheap. She got a super a super pack of dirty money from rib shacks. She got. She got extra points. So uh, her initial form said she had zero in contribution to expenditures on October 4th. Then she came back and modified after the deadline to report 226 in expenditures out of 350 in donations she attributed to herself. But modifying the form after the cover-up is worse than the crime. You get six more (laughs) points for that. She was scoring like Mac Jones to Devontae Smith. I mean, this woman is... (laughs) It's the most got, Alabama thing ever. She should win. Yeah, Howard Hunt, Gordon Liddy involved here breaking into the Alabama election offices to cook the <laughs> books. What in the hell? <laughs> Imagine how dirty the Auburn homecoming queen race is. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama <laughs> was this bad. <laughs> Mississippi State's like, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold your cowbell. Hold your cowbell. Tennessee, they throw stuff at the homecoming queen if they don't like her. <laughs> That's true. Good God, Bond But Shalik Sully would King. come on the podcast and argue that she deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is sponsored by Bond Shonik and King, the homecoming queen race. Anyway, it is. This thing is as nasty as you would expect it would be down there. What about is it is it Whitefoot in Birmingham? The other one who, uh, who yes, Whitefoot, yes, Lightfoot. Sorry, Whitefoot, Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah Lightfoot. You know, I, I, let's end on a positive, okay? Because if there's two things that we really cherish around here. Uh, it's romance and fast food. <laughs> okay. And uh, I've got the story that hits us right right in the heart, right in the heart, while being heart healthy, if you want. We have a Subway marriage, a Subway oh, sandwich shop marriage. <laughs> what? Julie Bushart and Zach Williams got married Friday. Uh, and between after the, the church and before the reception, they made sure to visit the Livonia, Michigan Subway franchise that they first met. Mm. Oh. Romance and the smell of break break. <laughs> Three, two, romance one. and the smell of bad jokes. <laughs> the smell of baked bread and romance was in the air, apparently. So let me break this down for you because this guy, Zach Williams, you got to tip your cap to this guy. Talk about making no effort at all. 
and, and it all turning out good for him. Uh, a couple of years ago, he shows up at the subway at the 30979 Five Mile Road, if you want to stop by. I'm sure they're good. Now a famed subway location. Stops up for lunch to order an Italian BMT. He's in line, and behind him, Julie Bushart and her mom get in the line. Julie's there for a ham and cheese. And uh, in the line, uh, Julie's mom notices uh, Zach and uh, decides that uh, he looks good. We walked in and standing in front of us is this good looking guy. Mom starts nudging me uncontrollably <laughs> as I try not to giggle. This never happens to me when I'm in Subway either. <laughs> my, my mom says to me, you're giving him your number. Anyone who knows me knows I'm way too shy for that. I said, you give him my number. So after Zach eats, seemingly oblivious to this, he leaves and, and Julie's mom chases him down in the parking lot, gives wow. him the number, and he calls a half hour later. She calls him the wing mom. <laughs> Matchmaker subway mom. That's quite a role. And they, uh, yeah. And they have, uh, at their first anniversary, they return to the subway. They go on the subway every year for their anniversary meal. This guy was- did nothing. <laughs> nothing. Goes, gets an Italian BMT and the mom's doing all the work. And then he gets to have cheap, cheap uh, anniversary dates for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. He's- yeah. He's the big winner here for sure. I mean, this is, you just keep shelling out the, what is it up to, like $6.99 for a foot-long combo or something? I, I don't know. See, but $5 foot-long, Pat, $5. Yeah. Is it still still $5 foot-long? I don't know. <laughs> Pat's like, I haven't been to Subway in years, but I doubt it. <laughs> I, I have a, like the vague recollection of a $5 foot-long jingle in my head. Oh, yeah, no, I can hear it. I can recite it, but there's no need for that. I'm on oh. the uh, the not.com page of theirs. Uh, they did not, he did not pop the question at the uh, at the subway. They did no. go by some. No. By like, I do have the registry too. Yes. Okay. Um, Any toasters? There is not. I, I was looking. I don't know what their problem is with that. They they're looking for uh, Colin Mason Forest Wood Pepper and Salt Shaker Outdoor Patio Wicker Chair Three Piece King Quilt Set. If anyone wants to chip in, uh, you also get them a Subway gift card, I'm guessing. Eat for Tello Outdoor Pizza Oven. Oh, no, I can go with that. Item. Yeah. How much is that? $4.99. Okay. Mm. I'm buying that for myself, we were, we not were, for them. Yeah, we were divided over the pizza stone on our registry because Kate mm. likes pizza, but we don't eat pizza. So I was like, why do we need yeah. a pizza stone? I felt like that was, <laughs> to me, became the symbol of like the over-registering. It's like, we're not going to use this stuff. <laughs> See, Pete, if there if there is like a deluxe acai bowl assembly kit, you could uh, you could definitely do oh, with one of those. That would be talking. Things are in the romance department are not going your way. You never know. You just go grab some lunch, and next thing you know, <laughs> some some someone's mom is chasing you down the parking lot. So yeah. it can happen. Matchmaker mom from Subway. Yeah, I love it. Stuff. The wing mom. All right, we'll be back later in the week with our picks. The race for the case. A banger of a week last week. I'm white hot. We Get could have an done. emergency pod if this Alabama homecoming thing goes off the rails. So <laughs> well, be ready. Stay tuned, so everyone. Tell, uh, be ready. It's who knows? Who knows? I mean, arms may be taken up. <laughs> could you get hairspray? Could have an insurrection. Up. Could be is anything possible. I think Coach Saban needs to monitor this situation. <laughs> he needs to hire an assistant in, ter- in charge of monitoring 
the homecoming. Uh, they probably have an analyst that keeps their eye on. You know? Yeah, I don't know who he thinks should want. I, I want that ass. That no, but Jones is already gone. Who won? <laughs> Sully. Is it Mon- Montana Fouts or McLean Moore? How do you claim the election when you only got 47 of the vote? 47% of the vote? Anyway, Just- I think this pod needs to end. Subscribe. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Whatever.